Welcome to Get Online from Great Plains Idea. I'm your host, Katherine Harth. Thanks for downloading this week's podcast. Get Online has expert advice and creative resources to inform and enrich the online educational experience for both students and faculty. This is the second in a series of episodes in which we bring you the stories and life achievements of Great Plains Idea alumni. These short profiles on individuals give listeners a glance into what it's like to follow your dream, face down a challenge, and accomplish something when doubt almost stopped you. Today's interview is extra special, not only because we will hear from Stephen Getch, United States Air Force veteran and graduate of our Family and Community Services master's degree, but also because we have a guest host. Dr. Elaine Johannes is an associate professor and extension specialist at Kansas State University, but within Great Plains IDEA, she is a triple threat, teaching in three of our online master's programs. Dr. Johannes advised and taught Steve throughout his Great Plains IDEA journey, and so we thought it would be fun for her to do the interview today. Steve is going to tell us a little more about himself, and then Elaine will take it away. My name is uh, Steve Getch. I am a class of 2020 and I guess soon to be uh, alumni. Um, I'm calling actually from San Antonio, Texas. I relocated here. I'm not a natural born Texan. I relocated here in 2015. Um, I came through the Air Force. I was there for 22 years. I've been working with the VA as a public affairs specialist in communications since 2014. Um, I love it. It's high paced. Also has a little bit impact on my um, education, which I'm sure many people as they're juggling work and family and, and, and school is the, one of the, probably the biggest challenges that everyone faces. Yeah. And that's me in a nutshell. Steve, I'm so glad to be able to chat with you today. One of the things I think I've admired about you over the years, because I've been able to watch yeah. you move from being a brand new master's student to finishing up here, and now I consider you a friend. One of the things I've really appreciated is your persistence and your grit. Sure. And are these like characteristics that you've, you've always had, or did you develop those as you've been pushing through this degree program and all of your changes in your profession? Sure. It is, you know, um, tenacity. I mean, you use the word grit, right? That's a, that's an older word. And of course, you, you know, you being in academia, resilience, right. Is, is kind of up that, 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 that same alley. Yes. Multiple moves, um, deployments, uh, for I'll give you a, for instance, um, I got a deployment and I took it and it sounded exciting and I was going to go there and teach communications to Afghan National Army uh, soldiers. And uh, I was with a team. We met at a, a different base to train together, which is fantastic because it gave us a chance to kind of meld together. There was five of us. A week before uh, I was set to leave, fantastic shape. I had all my training complete, weapons, qualifications. I, I got hit by a car. Um, I was running on our installation, got hit by a car and, uh, my team left and I was back home and went and rehabbed and I missed about seven weeks of my deployment. I followed on after them and we, we finished up together and I came home, uh, in 2010, I got a chance to go to a multinational exercise with the French in Europe. And I got a, a phone call saying, uh, that I was deployed, going to get deployed to Afghanistan again, um, barely got home and uh, they were going to send me off again. So I got kind of prepared for that and 
Um, they canceled that on me. And then after that, I got a short notice assignment to Barksdale Air Force Base, Louisiana. All of this stuff happened in a period of about five months. You know, you're talking about selling a home and you have a new job and you don't know, you know, how, where you're going to live. And I have to prep my wife. My wife is a German national. She's been living now in the States, I think now since 2005. You know, it's not just me now. I obviously have to think about her. So you have to be in that mindset all the time to almost, I want to want to say robot because obviously humans are, they have feelings and emotions and you, know, you just don't shelf those. Um, but you have to be logical because you know you have to keep moving forward. Yeah. Um, rationalizing those things. Um, and when you throw school in there, sometimes that seems to be like an extra thing. Yeah especially since it's not directly involved with your employment or your family, if, if things get a little crazy, that school's the kind of thing that you can kind of shelf and say, maybe I'll take a break for a semester and two semesters. One of the things I would say is I think that's appropriate. There's, but that's also a trap. And I think especially from veterans that I've talked to, because I had actually a barbecue when I finished uh, my master's program and, you know, everybody gave me an attaboy and it was good. And, you know, the discussion turned to, to education in school. And there were some who said, I want to go back. And I started to hear that over and over again. So I think it's very common, especially for a military population. They're excited. It's, a, it's new beginnings, right? I mean, you were a civilian, mm-hmm. but depending on how long you were in, you're a civilian again. So I think when they come back, they get a little overwhelmed. Start school, find out it's a little bit uh, too much to deal with getting set up. And so they pull that back. And yeah. I say, yes, that that's appropriate for the fact of you want to maximize your education and you can't do that with that chaos and that clutter. Um, but like I said, the trap comes when you have to actively work on sorting that clutter and building the grits mm-hmm. and the resilience so that you can tackle school because the years they, they go, they come and they go and they come and they go, you know, and, and such was my case. As your instructor, advisor, professor, you know, I can I couldn't compliment you all the time because that wasn't appropriate. But now since all this is over, when I hear your story at the beginning and all of the changes and I didn't know you had the accident, I didn't know that. But then at the very end, you were so calm when the laptop died. <laughs> and and I and I know for the people listening, they may go, what? What was that? Steve, I saw you persist, right? Persevere, continue on and never freak out. And then at the very, very last, at the semester you're to be finishing, defending your capstone and your laptop died. And I and I thought most students would freak out. No, sure. not Steve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so the grit I saw you in both areas, grit of life and caring for people and caring for veterans, and then also grit and just getting the coursework done, just get it done. And you yep. did. And, and so compliments, compliments, especially now, because I know that you're in a position of very important connection and communication with veterans who need communication, need to know what in the heck's going on and need health care. And, and your capstone was around that. Your right. capstone for finishing that master's degree was around access to communication and appropriate communication 
Yes. You know, you, you see when the amount of questions that I get delivered to me, I know we're not doing everything that we need to. Right. So the proof's in the pudding. Um, and I, I, you know, I know that obviously n- nothing is perfect, but I know there's, there's such a huge stride that, that we can make um, to get that, that information out. So they uh, originally, um, they just passed the Mission Act in 2019. It went into action uh, June 6th, I believe, of 2019. That enables, if there's not appointments available, that they can go out and, and seek community services. I'm going to jump in here to tell you a little more about the Mission Act. Mission stands for maintaining internal systems and strengthening integrated outside networks. When it launched on June 6, 2019, it was the end of the Veterans Choice Program and established a new Veterans Community Care Program. Something interesting I learned is that the VA serves approximately 9 million enrolled veterans at over 1,200 healthcare facilities around the country every year. In my position as communicator, knew that there was a huge gap between um, patients' knowledge of what was available to them um, and, and truly what this whole program was about. And so I got to thinking, you know, we need to really change how we're doing business. And uh, the capstone was, how, how can we take advantage? We have in every community, the state runs, in some of their largest cities, like here for uh, us here in Texas, San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, um, like uh, TexVet is a resource page for veterans to to uh, to go and work with some of these community providers, m- mostly mental health, but there are some specialty services that you can get um, through there. Some of them are pro bono, but some of them you just needed a referral. I was on uh, several committees, and I couldn't believe that nobody knew each other, but yet we are all serving veterans. And I thought, wow, is there something interesting going on here? I mean, honestly, if I could have $100,000 in research funds and a whole bunch of like research, I mean, I can guarantee you that I could probably improve how care is delivered. The final part of this capstone is uh, an initiative, a program, a campaign. It's a hypothetical effort that usually the student writes about. His is anchored in reality. His is anchored in the real experience that veterans who move from DOD military health care to the civilian setting and how do they make the transition in a, in a very... Um, thoughtful and meaningful and beneficial way. So the capstone was the program that Steve designed that now we're hearing if he only had $100,000 and some staff he can implement, let's get that done. Well, and a a portion of that too was, so um, my office is the first door off the main entrance. So if if they're lost, they're late for appointment. so, So a lot of those folks, they kind of veer into my office, even though I'm in communications, we leave our door open. Um, and I've always committed myself to, I don't care what I have going on. If I have that patient in front of me, I'll get up, I'll take them sometimes even downstairs to the elevators um, to get them to their appointment. And it helps more than one people because if, if he gets lost and he's 15 minutes late, he backs the whole system up for every appointment for the rest of the day. So, I mean, I'm, I look at it as I'm not even helping one person, maybe five or six more, but to get the providers involved, they're in a great position 
when they hear and interact with these patients on a longer period of time to know what kind of needs. And there might be some program, like we have um, equine therapy. We don't offer that. But if some guy rattles on that, he misses his horses and he loves his horses and you know that you're giving him a referral for depressive disorder and you're going to go and give him an appointment for that. Heck, if he goes and does a couple uh, sessions of equine therapy, he might not even need that appointment anymore. Training them and then collaborating with our community partners, I think is a huge, we can make huge gains by doing those two things. And we're in the middle, we're, we're in the position in public affairs to do that. So I see us as you know, facilitators for those two processes. And that's why I came up with that as a, as a, as a capstone idea. So I'm so, sitting here, I have a big smile on my face because Catherine, you'll need to interview Steve a few years from now because he's going to get that grant. He's going to get this done. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you, you know go. what they're going to do? They're going to ask me to move to Washington, D.C. I'll vote for you. Okay. <laughs> do you want a job that empowers you to make a real difference in people's lives? The Great Plains Idea Family and Community Services Master's Degree will train you to do exactly that. This master's degree is offered 100% online and provides a well-rounded curriculum that focuses on understanding family and community dynamics, designing and evaluating services, and managing programs efficiently. With a master's degree in family and community services, you gain the skills to empower families, strengthen your local community, and help diverse groups of people. Graduates of this program work for county extension offices, nonprofit groups, emergency shelters, family advocacy programs, and in many other settings that promote family life and community well-being. Dedicated faculty from six universities work together to provide an innovative program with the flexibility of an online format. The Great Plains IDEA Family and Community Services Program wants to train you to make a difference in your community. Learn more about the Family and Community Services Master's Degree at www.gpidea.org. So how is it going? Have you been able to implement parts of your capstone in the real world? Not yet because of COVID. So (laughs) I I ended up getting sick myself um, and was really out of the loop. I, I was very thankful to my organization. Obviously, we have a a hospital. I do have some leads and I had a meeting with someone in our, it's a veteran experience office. And I think they have a lot of great resources, right? So um, I have a, a passion and now a good background on what the, really this, to treat the symptom of, of the, the frustration of like not knowing what your your healthcare entails, what you're entitled to, what's available to you, why is it not available, asking the right questions. I, I can bring that to them. So I actually had one meeting with our veteran experience office. They've got folks and they've got a good budget. So if if we're going to be able to, because my office is very small, uh, but that's it's about partnerships, right? So, you know, we can convene a committee doing some outreach. All that stuff takes time and, and funds. So I'm excited to kind of pursue that on a, on a smaller scale at our organization and then see if we can take it nationally. What I do like about the VA is they're constantly trying to, to do better. Uh, Secretary yeah. Wilkie, he's, he's constantly trying to up the game for, for veterans. 
one of the things that I talked about was really quality of communication as well. So for instance, we have a kind of a self-help webpage and that might be fine. I think for a 30 something, but I think it, it's up to me to find out through maybe a short interview or a telephone call. What's this gentleman or gentle lady's uh, level of aptitude for, for computers and technology. Do you even have a smartphone? Some people might only have a landline. So I have to take all that consideration and I'd be remiss if I just gave them a link to get on a computer when let's say they didn't have access. So yeah, all that stuff, there's so much room for improvement. I, I, I almost sometimes go, I wish I had 40 hours in the day. I really do. Uh, well, and, and that kind of technology work and skill you saw that that's really what is important for students who are trying to navigate an online bachelor's, master's, PhD. You have your master's in an online degree. Uh, You signed up early on in the family community services master's degree, which, which is fairly new to all of the campuses and you took coursework at K-State and Oklahoma State and Missouri and boy, the little. Nebraska. So when you started the program, you were one of the first ones in family community services. Why did you pick it? (laughs) When I, um, and it's funny too, because I always thought that tied to me getting hit by the car, by a car. So I, for the longest time, I think it was about 2010, right after I came back from Afghanistan, um, I had a, like a massive um, pain in my hip. And so I went in and they, they told me it was from my back and we went back and forth and I tried to get second and third opinions and finally got an MRI and I tore the labrum in my hip. I was going to separate because I didn't accept the, um, the appointment to Barksdale I mentioned earlier to, to Louisiana. So I wanted to extend my enlistment, not I wasn't going to accept it, but I just wanted to extend my uh, time in service so I could be taken care of medically because I I felt they spent about 18 months on me in an improper diagnosis. And I was envisioning me separating from the service, getting hired somewhere, and then shaking hands and saying, oh, by the way, I need eight weeks off to rehab. I'd rather rather do that if I was, you know, an Air Force member. So there's some rules about that. And... I talked with a whole bunch of folks and there's a special uh, physician that is in charge of medical separations. And he, we had a big conference call and on February 27th of 2012, he said, if you can walk to your out processing appointments, you are gone. Meaning I had to retire on March 1st, I was out the door. So I had basically 48 hours after a 22 year career to prepare myself. And I was not prepared. That was on a Friday and Monday I show up. I'm now Mr. Getch. I'm not Sergeant Getch anymore. So now I'm home a little bit of fun, right? You know, uh, I can, I can, I don't have to shave today. I can wear whatever I want. I can go to the store at three in the afternoon. It doesn't matter. I'm Mr. Now I'm a civilian, I'm a retiree. And then it was weird because once again, going back to grits, I thought I had it. I mean, I, if, you, if you want to say level 100, I had level 100 grit. I noticed I was kind of getting in that groove where why doesn't anybody want me? Mm. I'm smart. Mm. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Air Force guy. I just finished my undergraduate degree. 
and things have changed. I was in for 22 years. I spent 15 years out of this country. I was in Europe and, and, and in Asia for that long. So things keep moving here and I come back to do new trends. I was doing resume after resume after resume. And uh, I actually started to get, I wouldn't say depressed, but just in this real bad funk. And I, I, I said, I, I need stimulation. I need to get back into school. And I didn't want that time frame to, to, to grow. So I started looking and I had a variance, obviously public affairs and communications is what I finished my career with, but I also, I was an electrician and worked in uh, control systems and I don't even, I can't, I would be, it's kind of funny because I, I don't remember how I stumbled across it. I think I typed in family and community services thinking I was going to go on base and see if there was any schools advertised. And I think that, that Google hit that. So I started reading the flyer for GPIDA and I thought, that's, that's my life. It is my life right now. Like plan. That's my, my end state is, is working all like either army family community services or airman and family readiness center. So I saw this and then I saw the concept. I like going to different schools. I like traveling the world. It's in my DNA. So I was all in. I I think I could really do uh, a lot of good things. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I admire how students also enjoyed having you in their classes. I mean, you had you had students who came right out of a bachelor's degree without the world experience and without the the grit maybe sure. that you have built and you and you were able to show. And that's the benefit, I think, of an online class that's worldwide. From that, were there any particular classes or experiences of students that you thought you were you were part of their team, that sure. that you were actually probably benefiting them, mentoring them? Yeah. And uh, you know, I, it, it, it's it's pretty good. I, I was actually taken aback because like, I don't, I don't have children. So I have four legged ones. I have five cats. Now we had I think, two <laughs> at the time. Um, I treat them like children. They cry to me cause I spoiled them. And my wife says it's my fault. Um, some of these students had such large families and I, I guess I almost used it as a form of strength to go, how do they carve out time? Oh. It, it, it's amazing. And um, I was always, uh, admiring my my fellow students who who had these these families and some of them even special needs families, which I mean obviously amplifies the the time and the, and the need. I really liked like the first week was always the best. Finding that common oh station in well I was stationed in Wyoming and then you know you kind of go offline and talk to them about that. And you, I think it's just better. Um, one thing I didn't get to do were were like really any group projects, and I think. When you kind of make that bond, I just think those projects go better. But um, yeah, I just I've always been in awe of folks that not only are balancing, you know, work, education and now uh, family, the the diversity. Now, I'm used to that, obviously, living in, you know, I've lived in five countries now. I need to ask before we wind up, I need to ask, OK, what were the tough parts? What was what was the good, the bad ugly, but then what would you recommend for students who are coming in after you now? Sure. Literally just proactive about your health and being responsible and accountable to yourself. And that includes self-care and, and mindfulness. And even, even if you're not 
in a tough position, let's say you're a, a surgeon or a counselor and, you know, they all, there's a, that term comes up so many times, self-care, because you don't want to get burnout. Students should be thrown in there as well. And everyone's experience is different. And I, I will say, I could not have done this without you, Elaine, but it was on me that I didn't engage you more. And that is my stubbornness. As an electrician, I would sit there for an extra two hours trying to figure out or troubleshoot. And all I had to do is call on a radio for some guy. He could probably have fixed it in 10 minutes. But I sat there bumping my head against the wall because in something in my brain said, the only way I'm learning this is if I figure it out myself. I would say for the students, even if you are having trouble with an assignment and there's somebody that you think you relate to in one of your classes, reach out to that person. It doesn't always have to involve the entire class, you know, and say, Hey, I, I, I was a little bit, I thought I got it, but now I got into this paper and I kind of got it all scrambled. And can I can bump a couple things off of you? It's okay, you know, to work with your peers. And, and I don't think I did that enough, but you can, you know, like I would say, you, you steered me in the right, in the right direction. And, and that's all you need once in a while. We enjoy learning from our students. And, and honestly, I learned so much as we were working at the end of the degree and working together. So, Steve, what's the next thing for Steve? What are you doing next? I'm, I'm, I'm still working hard. Um, during this COVID thing, it's obviously, you know, our demand is even more even for, because we have 4,500 employees. They have communication needs. They want to know what's going on. Is it safe? You know, you see those, those media reports. We have all that stuff. And basically, the, our office is that hub. So, right now, things are clicking along um, long-term. I really, really would like to um, get into the DOD and, and I want to help transitioning. It just stuck in me that that transition I had. I thought I had everything figured out. I thought I, I had, you know, I'm sitting on my, my, my good career. I thought, and I, I would consider myself, say, a hardliner, like, you know, pull your, pull your bootstraps up kind of, kind of guy. I did that probably more often than I should as a superintendent. But I can see the first 12 months is when we have in transition, the first 12 months of suicide, substance abuse, for a reason, right? Your stress level, your comfort zone, and now all of a sudden it's up here. And mm -hmm. so, you know, family demands and everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I think if the DOD spins that back up, they call it work-life specialist. So it's basically to help you sit down with these families, or it could be just a service member, but the whole family obviously has access to these services. Um, and you, you interview them, counsel them. Um, financial planning, you do basic, it's a one-stop shop, and then you set them up with all the basic services. That, that I think, is my niche. And then my, my goal is um, to, to retire in Europe. Okay. So, yeah, that's, that's... Well, that's, you may not be done with us yet. Actually, there is a brand-new GPIDEA Family Community Services student. She's deployed in Japan. She and I have already talked about what she wants to finish with. What is the capstone? And her study is about how to transition the Navy officer to a civilian workplace and all the issues around that. And so sure. when she's ready, may I give her your name and your absolutely. contact? Yeah, absolutely. The alum, the alum yeah. can help coach the student. And absolutely. we've got several coming through. And yeah. I was kind of hoping that you'd be willing to maybe be part of the group. Yeah, absolutely. Center. 
I want to thank you. Thank you, Steve, so much. Now you be well. You take care of yourself and take care of all the people that you serve. I will. That's it for this week's show. Special thanks to our guest, Stephen Getch, and our guest host, Dr. Elaine Johannes. You can download other Great Plains Idea episodes on your favorite podcast app or visit our website to learn more about Great Plains Idea. Just go to www.gpidea.org. I'm your host, Katherine Hart, and until next time, get online.